Welcome, everybody, to Curious Church Podcast. Bienvenido. Oh. As they say. International edition. This is the international edition. I didn't know this. It's the bilingual edition. That's the most Spanish I think I'll probably be using this episode. But, uh, Matt, I know you've got a bunch chambered, so... Uh, I, got, I got some French, but I don't have... Oh, that's right. This is so, the... Bonjour. Okay. Bienvenue à la podcast de Curious Church, <laughs> de l'Église Curieux. That's pretty good. That's... Did you do some... Wait, now I need to know this about you, because it's fun learning things about you while we're actually recording. Yeah. So I mean, tell me about your French experience. I took six years of French. Oh. That's, that's oh. the end of it. All right. In high school? Uh, yeah, high school and junior high. When did you move from Australia? Right. So they don't speak French in Australia, just in case listeners are getting confused. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but when I was 12. Okay. So you spent some formative years there. Yeah. Is there a second language that's like common to, t- to learn in elementary uh, school? Oh, No. I learned uh, some Italian. I learned some Japanese. Oh, right. And those were my elementary school languages, I think, in Australia. Okay. So, welcome in Italian. Probably also Bienvenido. Something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. All oh. right. We, we've got... People are thinking right now, gosh, another episode with just Aaron <laughs> and Matt. Quick. Don't... Wait. Don't turn off your <laughs> podcast yet. Don't, don't hit stop. Because, in fact, we have a guest. Yeah, and our... Should... Our guest we need to introduce. We should get him in the mix. Yeah. Our guest today is, oh, I just realized, you are a reverend. I am a reverend. And you are a doctor. I am a doctor. So this is our second reverend doctor, Mark Moore, That's right. is joining us. Mark, welcome to Curious Church hey, Podcast. Hey, it's good to be here. Welcome, Mark. Here. Hey, this should probably Especially be... Especially an... on the international edition. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> special time. Does, are there any languages you want to... Uh, I mean, I have the limited Spanish. Okay. So I got the Bienvenido. Okay. Uh, and then I had to pass like a German test oh. and a French test, but I just an... passed them and then it's gone. Oh, okay. It's gone. That, that's fair. Yeah, yeah you lose, use it or lose it, huh? That's right. Well, we're really glad to have Mark here. Mark... Okay, we're, we got to do kind of a little bit of intro here, yeah. right, of who you are, so as people come. So, Mark is, what is your professor title at Jessup? That's great. I'm an assistant professor, assistant professor. of theology. Okay, assistant professor of theology at William Jessup University, and... Right. Seems unqualified for this podcast so far. <laughs> yeah. So far. This <laughs> might put him over the edge. Bump up my resume, yeah. This might put him over the edge, though. And also, um, according to the website, uh, spiritual formation pastor... At yes. Faith Legacy Church. Yeah, so Sacramento. Faith Legacy Church in Sacramento. Been there for 11 years. Okay. I started on staff there in 2008. Uh, and so kind of in a, and now that I've slid into a full-time role at William Jessup, I'm in a part-time role at the church doing spiritual formation okay. and and really associate pastor. Okay. Yeah, was like, Great. So a little bit of a little bit of street cred, yeah. To talk you know, about, I try, you know, we'll I talk about later. <laughs> Plus, there's that Spanish, so we'll get a little or, bit more into right. Mark's <laughs> expertise as well later when we come to our conversation. But listeners know that we never dive straight into anything serious. No, we got to warm up. Oh, the other thing that people should know about Mark is he is also the host of a podcast called Jessup Think. That's so right. This is a podcast coming out of Jessup. Uh, so this isn't quite yeah. a crossover edition because, as far as I know, Mark hasn't offered to run this podcast that we're recording on that his show is yet. That's what would make it a crossover. <laughs> yeah, that's what would okay. make it a crossover. Okay. But I think we're very close. So that's yeah. what we're going to shoot for. Actually, if listeners want to check that out, there is some level of crossover because Libby Backfish, mm-hmm. Curious Church All Star, yes. has yeah. been on this podcast. And I looked up her episode. It's New Testament authors and the Hebrew scriptures. So that's one of the early ones with Libby. So if you wanted a starting place with yeah. with a familiar voice that you're used to, right? That's right. Well, of course, you'll be familiar with Mark, so he's on all of them. You can yeah, go catch up there. True. But yeah. Libby is on that uh, New Testament authors and the Hebrew nice. scriptures, yeah, yeah. and she'll be coming up uh, soon. Well, it'll be kind of next season, so after the first of the year, uh, okay. talking about what we get wrong when we read the Old Testament. So oh. kind of highlighting some stories that we maybe traditionally read incorrectly. Okay. And a closer reading kind of helps us 
Nice. Know, get a better understanding. Let's bring that's. I want to bring some curious church mics into that episode. <laughs> That'll be the crossover. Just sneak, we're That'll just be start, the crossover. We're gonna start just sneak a mic in the door, like, hey, yeah, we want. What we haven't told Mark is by being on the show, he gives us permission to download the audio of Jessup Think and republish as Curious Church. And it's, it'll mostly I don't just believe be Aaron. And I remember I signing that. Yeah, you don't remember signing that. I don't remember. Oh, I thought it was in the waiver. <laughs> no, well, we're we're really glad you're with us. Hey, it's good Mark. to be here. Thanks I'm, for thanks for making I'm some excited. time. Well, for a long time, listeners, behind the scenes, something's been happening. And that's that each time that we've recorded the last few episodes, I have come with my own list for the segment that we call My List. And Aaron repeatedly has bumped my list. And so now finally, with, with some you better segment. Bumped, what do you mean by bumped? By bumped, I mean you said, let's not do that today because I have a better segment. Oh, yeah, that's true. I did do that. That would be bumping. <laughs> that would, that that would be, be the classic definition of bumping. <laughs> so for those of you, obviously, it's been a while since we've had a My List, and Mark is new to the Curious Church yeah, podcast. Yeah, I'm very interested in what this list is This segment is, is very simple. I bring a list. It is my list today, not Aaron's list or anyone else's mm-hmm. list. And it can be anything. We've had in the past five favorite red things, five favorite green things. Nice. There's been all kinds of other. Not lists. always color related. Sometimes it's a spectrum. <laughs> like that was very Christmasy too. Yeah, know. that those yeah, in that particular was... have been. Yeah. But I thought I could do a service, and maybe you two can be thinking of something maybe to add to my list. I could do a service because we're entering this holiday kind of period, and one thing that you are probably doing, or maybe a lot of you are doing, is watching movies, and sometimes that's a lot of Christmas movies. Yes. But sometimes you are you just need a break from a Christmas movie. Hmm. Like you just want to see a film. And so here is my list. This is a very personal list. Are this there Chris, m- are there Christmas films? Yeah. Because movie has a more like lighthearted <laughs> sort of feel to it. Film. film means like you're Scorsese in it. might say this, right. this is yeah. not film. Right. right. Marvel is not film. That's his quote. Well, fortunately, Scor- there aren't any Marvel Marvel Christmas movies. <laughs> That's true. That I'm, aware I'm of. sure there's <laughs> one coming somewhere out there. Okay, okay, fine. We'll call them movies. Okay, just I okay. just want I, I'm I love clarification. I'm looking it's at my, my main list. thing. I think all of these can fall into the movie category comfortably. Okay, maybe some of them are trying to break into the film. Okay, but, hmm. so this is my. Top five movies that I personally have seen this year. Okay? Okay. So, so to be clear, these aren't like a universal top five movies ever. But this year, I've seen 40 movies. Wow. I know this because I, not necessarily all in theaters. Okay? Not necessarily all in theaters. Some streaming. I know this because I track all of them on my Pinterest board, Films Watch <laughs> 2019. <laughs> Okay, so that's amazing. So this is what I do. I hope that's true. I, I, it is a hundred percent true. I, I will show you after the show. Are we talking January one, twenty nineteen? Yes. Up until today. Yes. Do you have plans to, year. to watch any more? Oh, for sure. So we're not even done. We're me. not done, but I'm going to bring the top five that I have enjoyed because sometimes you need mm-hmm. a break from the Christmas movie okay. genre, and yeah. you might be wanting to watch something else. All right. So this is my top five of those forty. The five that I'm recommending. So you guys, I mean, I'm going to open this up that if you have a film or a movie that you would recommend as an additional kind of non-Christmas option for people, then maybe at the end you can toss that in. I want to be clear. Not all of these are films from this year. I have just watched them this year. Okay. Okay. Very very specific. Okay. So I'm going to start with an animated film uh, because some of these span different genres. This one is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Mm, Have you seen so this? So good. Movie? Yes, very good. I feel like it it definitely belongs on a top 5 list. This maybe yeah. came out last year, I think actually. But if you are and the reason I like this one, if you are in a family context and looking for a film or movie to watch, then this feels like a good option. I feel like the kids can enjoy it. It has Spider-Pig in it, so that's kind of fun. <laughs> so but fun. then there's all, all kinds of other layers going on. It's a really good movie. It's visually, like, um, has kind of a unique feel visually. Mm-hmm. It's, it's essentially, like, smashing together Spider-Mans from different Spider-Verses. Yeah. And so there's all these different Spider-Men, which makes for fun and hijinks and emotionally touching moments as well. Sure. So 
And I'll be honest, when I, I took my boys, I have two boys, when we went and saw it, and I was thinking, another Spider-Man movie? Uh-huh. Like, how many times we get the point, he got bit by a spider, <laughs> he can fly around. Like, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I yeah. really did. Like, I, I was like, yeah, I like this mashup. And it subverts a little feel. bit of that. Uh, it, it plays with the origin story as well. Right. Kind of a it does, way, yeah. Which is good. So no spoilers here, but... I, I have, so I'm, I'm not a huge moviegoer in general, okay. and I do especially don't really have a lot of interest in superhero movies, but that when that popped up on Netflix earlier this year, we also did a, like a family watch with it. It was unbelievable. Like the art was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. It was really captivating. Great. This is a ringing endorsement. Yeah, from this a is non superhero. Yeah. And this is number five guy. on my list. Yeah. Three, so. three thumbs up. Yeah. Right All right. This is okay, three thumbs up. So, listener, you can go find it. It is on Netflix, I think. Yep. Here's my number four. So, I tried to think, you know, sometimes you want different things. Sometimes you want a movie that will generate some conversation. And I'm, I realize I would often, in a Mylist segment, be saying that sarcastically. I'm not actually in this moment saying it sarcastically. Uh huh. Because my number four movie is uh, the movie The Hate You Give. Have you heard of this movie? Mm. Familiar with it at all? It's based on a novel also called The Hate You Give. The basic premise is a um, young black woman is going to basically a um, like private, predominantly white high school, but she mm. lives in a black neighborhood. And it's not a spoiler to say that pretty early in the film, she is with a friend from her neighborhood who gets shot and killed by a police officer. Hmm. And so it is this, it's the story, it's a fictional story of this woman who is caught between two worlds and what it means to be navigating that in the midst of what becomes quite contentious. It, uh, Rachel and I watched it. Rachel had read the book and loved the book and we watched the movie. And it was one of those movies where you just, you just kind of are left like trying to, trying to parse like, what what you what you saw like what mm. it's not clear it doesn't kind of there's so many sides and it shows so many different sides to the story so it's kind of a rich um a rich portrayal of these realities that play out kind of across our across our nation across the world in many ways uh and will definitely generate some conversation number 3 if you're a documentary family mm-hmm. there is a documentary called Psalm have you ever heard of Psalm? I think this is on Amazon Prime. Uh, and it is about uh, a group of friends who are studying. There's three of them and kind of a fourth who are studying to take their master sommelier exam. So oh. t- to become a master Psalm, essentially, you have to like know everything, not just about wine, but also about like all liquors, including beer. Mm. Um, And so it is their process of studying. And so part of the exam is like they have six tasters, like six wines uh, where they have to blind taste. So it's three red, three white. And they have to tell you where the, like what grape it is, where it's from, the vintage. And it is amazing to watch. It's if you like seeing people who are kind of obsessive and just like becoming experts in their area, <laughs> this is which I do. Yeah, I'm this is really an amazing, that. an amazing documentary. It's, I like when people are really passionate about something. Like it's yeah. like the, yeah, this is like is. their main thing. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. it's fascinating because like it's a uh, like they basically like put their lives on pause to study for this exam. Like thousands of flashcards. So now, is there a part on this exam where they? They teach them how to make up fragrances that they're smelling because I always feel like they're like, I have a hint of cherry, and I'm like, where is that? Or vanilla or leather, right? Yeah, and I'm leather. like, how did how does I, this yeah. taste like leather? That doesn't sound good. I think it's in this documentary. At one point, they're talking about like needing to smell, like they need to go and they expose their nose to like all these smells so that they can. And at one point, like a guy's like. This smells like a can of freshly opened tennis balls. <laughs> like that is like the thing that he identifies. And they're like, uh, I mean, I don't know if that, I don't think that's the thing you put on your wine menu as a restaurant. Right. Yeah. But, smells but, like tennis balls. Yeah. Right. I do love that smell. Freshly opened you, tennis well, balls. Well, there you it's go. Nice. So yeah. apparently that was in that wine. So it, it is really interesting. And uh, yeah, okay. if you want to deep dive into the world right. of sommelier exams, it's a good one. All right. Here's number two. If, the last two are actually probably like a sweet spot of genre for me, which are generally feel-good movies. And this number two features uh, our dear friend Shia LaBeouf. Mm. Sure. Uh, 
and it came out this year. It's called Peanut Butter Falcon. Have you guys heard oh, of Peanut Butter Falcon? I have not. It is really a wonderful, kind of magical movie. It is um, Mark Twain-esque, but the, the Shia LaBeouf is one of the stars, but the other one is an actor with Down syndrome. And it is the story of him kind of running away, and he meets up with Shia LaBeouf's character. Uh, and in some sense, uh, if you read about the movie, it is kind of a, um, a symbolic kind of parallel to this character, the Down Syndrome actor's own journey to become an actor in Hollywood. Oh, so wow. there's kind of, and it's really remarkable. He wants to be a wrestler and is both funny and touching. And it handles, I mean, the actors are both so great. Um, there's, there's like versions of this where you could like get queasy, where like the comedy feels like it's taking advantage of, of the actor. It never feels that way. It just feels mm. true and real and delightful i really recommend peanut butter falcon definitely watch my number one though let me go to my number one because i just saw this last week it is featuring america's beloved actor tom hanks in a beautiful day in the neighborhood Mm. mark is nodding mark have you seen this i've not seen it but i i i actually am trying to be mr rogers in my life so (laughs) so i just watched the documentary Okay, I haven't seen that one. Which is excellent. That's good. And I'm excited for the film. Yeah, this was, you know, people sometimes say, because I have some sweaters that I wear, and they sometimes (laughs) say, like, you look like Mr. Rogers. That's that's excellent. That's a compliment. In the past, I I I have not had a lot of exposure to Mr. Rogers, just personally. He's a little after, before your time, I would guess. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's true. Yeah. Um, And so I, I never really knew how to take that. I usually took it slightly insultingly. Sure. Now, after watching this film, I it feels like a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I will, it is. I will happily wear. Yeah. So it's really remarkable. It's the story. The story. The story of the movie is based on an article that an Esquire uh, writer wrote. Basically, a profile mm-hmm. he did. But it's the profile ended up being much more about his journey of kind of healing through some of his life, and that's all there. Tom Hanks does a wonderful job. And it's, mm, yeah, that's fantastic. Good. I was basically crying through about half the movie. Sure. Which I'm a crier, say. so that's okay. But, yeah. but it's, you know, I stand by my list. We're ready. We're ready for our curious conversation. Ah. Yes. Uh, why don't you set us up, Matt? We'd love to. So this is part three of this three-part series, the first time we've ever done an intentional series. Yeah, a, a trilogy. A trilogy. Uh, yeah. I think maybe the first time we've reached number three. I feel like maybe we've only done sequels. We're really, we're really sticking it out we're, this time. Yeah, we're <laughs> really persevering. That's good, that's good. But to paint a picture, because maybe you're diving in for the first time in this episode. In the first episode, we talked about faith and trust. Previously. Right? So this whole series. On Curious Church. Previously on Curious Church. I'll do but, like the under music. Keep but, going. Yeah, okay, good. I... I hope that I'm listening to it right now as I listen back. Faith and trust. So this this idea we explored kind of what faith was, what it means to have faith, whether faith is just sort of assenting to sort of propositions like sentence by sentence, or whether in fact faith is more relational. It's more about um, sort of willfully holding on and trusting Mm -hmm. in God. So we explored that. Uh, Our second episode, we had Q on, um, and we talked with Q about faith and doubt. And so how doubt could be a really natural part of all of our faith journeys. Mm-hmm. How doubt wasn't necessarily something to be afraid of or to shy mm-hmm. away from, but to look at kind of squarely and yeah. um, process as part of what we're doing. Then our third episode, and it will become quickly clear why we have Mark in the room with us. Our third episode in some sense was, okay, if you could imagine that faith is about kind of relationship and about commitment and trust uh, okay, I can track with that. Okay, if I can believe that doubt is not something to be scared of, uh, okay, that that makes sense. But then, like, what is the place of theology and mm-hmm. those kind of more propositional statements in the life of faith? In other words, does it just get relegated to the side? I think a lot of people, a lot of Christians, when they hear theology or any kind of words that are around that doctrine or systematics... Like they, they might not be afraid of doubt anymore, but that terrifies them. <laughs> yeah. Or the word dogmatic. Yeah, dogmatics. Yeah. yeah. It's either scary or they'll fade, like fade away. Right. Maybe. 
Yeah. Right. It's e- yeah. Either it's intimidating or it just feels inaccessible. Yeah. Right. Completely. So that's kind of what we want to talk about today is what does it mean for our faith to have kind of content? Like, what mm-hmm. does it mean to believe certain things? Does that matter? Yeah. So maybe to just uh, set us up, I think um, we kind of, we're having Mark on in part because I, I had to at some point read the title of his dissertation because this is only right. <laughs> this is this was Mark's dissertation. Early creedal formulations and theological discourse toward a systematic understanding of theology in the creedal process. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's all I had to write was just Which, the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> was submitted. It, it itself was great. <laughs> Yeah. No, but which really is a way of saying that Mark has thought about how theology was being formed mm-hmm. at the earliest stages of the church. Because uh, one question that you could imagine people saying is, okay, these early apostles, these early believers, like they have Jesus with them. They're right. following Jesus. They've got the Old Testament scriptures. Um, isn't it enough to just kind of read mm-hmm. your Bible and follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. And so I thought, Mark, maybe to set us up at the beginning we could kind of zoom out and do a little kind of historical perspective. Like, why did, why did that not, why was that not the case? Why aren't we still just all following Jesus, reading the Bible? Like, why does this theology thing pop up in the right. first place? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, well, and I think it's really key to kind of begin that conversation with Jesus, right? Yeah. Because of that early community as they start following Jesus, uh, and they start with kind of kind of the first Christian creed or the first Christian proclamation is Jesus is Lord. Huh. And that's really what we see being kind of talked about by the community. Uh, but when you start there, it became kind of quickly evident, okay, what does that mean then about God? Like, so they had the Old Testament, they had Jesus there, but then they started to have to ask, okay, this this Yahweh from the Old Testament, and now we're saying Jesus is Lord, how do we how do we reconcile those two things? Uh-huh. Uh, and and so really that kind of early Trinitarian thought is that process of the church just trying to reconcile these different beliefs that they had. So this belief in God and then belief that Jesus is Lord, is God, and and having to kind of somehow be able to speak to that. Um, and then you also have other communities that are saying different things about Jesus. So the the early church fathers had to come together and say, okay, what do we know and believe about Jesus? Because this guy, Arius, is saying one thing, and, you know, maybe Athanasius is saying another. And so they had to come together in these councils to really kind of hammer out, okay, what what do we know now that we're maybe a couple hundred years removed from when Christ was there? Right. So to go go back... um and maybe to put some language, so you use the word creed for mm-hmm. the statement, Jesus is Lord. Yeah. And I, I like, instinctively, when I think of creed, I think of much longer. <laughs> right, right. I think Nicene Creed or Apostles Creed, which we say often here at Grant Springs. Yeah. So, like, when, when you're using the word creed, like, what, what do you mean by that, that word? When I use the word creed, I really mean just a statement of belief. Mm-hmm. That this is a slogan, whether it's, yeah, just a sentence uh, or whether it's, you know, 12 articles like the Apostles' sure. Creed, that this is a statement of belief that the church uh, could then pass on. So, so as you're teaching people, hey, what do you believe? Hey, Jesus is Lord. That is a statement. We, and, and when you kind of look in the New Testament, you start to see some of these what we call early creedal formulations that it seems to be like sometimes Paul will be writing and then it seems like he slips into giving a creed where it's like, oh, that huh. seems to be something that maybe the church had formulated that was something easy to remember, and it, and it kind of summarized their their statements of belief. Yeah, I like the idea of a creeds kind of answering questions along the way. So if mm-hmm. it's if the first creed is Jesus is Lord, well, so someone might say, well, what does that mean? So then, yeah. it, it, like it's creeds kind of const- require this sort of constant extrapolation almost <laughs> without, but but yet somehow maintain some some simplicity, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, that, and that that's one thing that I think draws me to the creeds and why I kind of spent um, spent five years looking at them, I guess. <laughs> um, and and my wife still jokes about like she's still I think all she has read maybe is the title of my dissertation. Okay. <laughs> um, 
but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm not hurt. No, no hard feelings here. <laughs> it is kind of a little bit of a creed in and of itself. It's a yes. summary of your dissertation. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but the, the idea of the simplicity of the creeds, that just draws me back to them that, that they mm-hmm. didn't, um, one thing, especially the Apostles' Creed, like when you really look at it, you're, I'm struck by what they don't say, yeah. right? That, that they don't. And, and I know part of this conversation, uh, as you're framing it, Matt, is the idea that doesn't theology just maybe divide us more? Like yeah. usually that's, then that is where the fights and splits have right. happened in the church. Yeah. Sure. Um, and, and one reason why maybe I come back to the creeds is because uh, that they, they kind of maybe cut through some of those things that have been places of argument and they mm-hmm. have kind of summarized these maybe core essential beliefs yeah and and have and have said them in a simple way that that leaves room for more conversation uh but then still gives you something to hang on to though yeah i i mean i think that's that's really helpful i'm 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 wondering like it seems well one one just observation as you talk about theology and simplicity like Mm -hmm. this idea like it feels um like one question I would have is just where do you decide to stop? Like, I, it, does this make yeah. sense? In other words, it's, like, okay, Jesus is Lord. Oh, that's really simple. Like, okay, I can get on board with <laughs> right, that. Right, right. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Oh, okay, what does that mean for Yahweh? Okay, now it's starting to get a little bit more complicated. Like, we've extrapolated so but, far that now we have the whole Bible again. Right. Until, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Or, or you suddenly have, like, 2,000 yeah. years of Christian history and people struggling. Right, right. So, like, so as you talk, like, one thing that I just notice is this kind of emphasis or reflection that, uh, sorry, theology can be simple, mm-hmm. which for some listeners is probably like, that's that seems a weird, like that's an oxymoron, right? right? right. Simple theology. Right. But one of the questions I have is like, how do you decide where to stop? By which mm-hmm. I mean, in some sense, Jesus is Lord is simple. Mm-hmm. Like that's a simple statement. And you might say, I can get on board with that. But then like the next round of questions adds a layer of complexity. Okay, what does it mean that Jesus is Lord? And there's this Yahweh in the Old Testament. And we're going to work mm-hmm. out a formulation of how we understand that and so on and so on. At some point you end up kind of back at the like, and this church has left this church because they're baptizing, you know, with like partial immersion or something right. like that. Which right, is, right. You know, so yeah. is there a reason that the creeds then become mm-hmm. such such a helpful kind of backstop for these? Like, how do you think about that? Yeah, for me, I think that is why I go back to the creeds because for me, they seem to kind of summarize the, what I call essential beliefs, right? Mm. Or, and even in my dissertation, I call them essential identity markers mm. of the Christian faith. Like, what does it mean to be a Christian? What are the core beliefs that we can't get rid of, right? That we can't let go. Uh, and so for me, coming back to them is really important and it kind of helps me understand that as far as we go in the theological conversation, we, we have to realize that maybe we're getting into areas that we can disagree on and they're not essential uh, to the core of the faith. Hmm. And so coming back to the creed to be like, can I affirm these? Yeah. Oh yeah, this is, this is essential. And, and that way I can be in community with people who maybe I disagree with on partial or full submersion or right. sprinkle yeah. or, you know, cup of water, dunk sure. on you, whatever, you know, like you can, I can be like, okay, we can be in community. I don't think this is going to be something that, that divides us. Um, but as I look back at the creeds, if I, if I start being like, you know what, I like that Jesus is Lord, but I believe in Father Almighty. No, let's take that out. Mm. And it'd be like, okay, we're probably stepping outside of the Christian faith then. Yeah. That, that's helpful. And I think probably my instinct was to say it's one of the reasons people tend to be uncomfortable with theology is because at some mm. point, even in its simplest form, theology becomes exclusionary. Yeah. Right? Even yeah. in sort of this, like you're talking quite robustly and like mm-hmm. there's a wide field. But at some point it's like, hey, if you're not willing to say like Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we don't think you're a Christian. Right, right. You know? Which is kind of a hard, like it's a hard part of this theology thing. It's, yeah. it's true, but when you think about, uh, the, and I try to do this with my theology students, when you think about the word God, mm. it is actually a very generic word. Mm. It's, it's, it's actually not a name, it's a title. Um, and, and so for Christian theology, it's about like defining who that God is, right? Who is the God that we 
worship and proclaim. Right. Who is the God that the Christian community has worshiped and proclaimed? So you kind of have to give, and this kind of goes back to your questions, like do we need maybe the propositions or the content? Right. This is where we give content to that word. Yeah. Because uh, even, I mean, think in general and culture, when someone says like, I want to thank God, you know, that I just won the Super Bowl or right. something, or I want to thank God, I <laughs> like, just got this Grammy for this terrible song, right? Yeah. Like, and... <laughs> And it'd be like, we all kind of kind of nod and be like, I think we understand who they're talking about, yeah. right? This God, but man, that we can define God in vastly different ways. And so the, the, Christian, the point of Christian theology, I think the function is to help us define who the God of the Christian community is. Uh, and in that sense, it, it does, I mean, there, there is that exclusion aspect, yeah. right? That this is what has been proclaimed about God in Scripture through, through church tradition, yeah. Um and but what I what I would want to come back to as well is remembering the creeds in their simplicity that mm. that that it's it's a core and an essential but it also leaves a ton of room for debate and discussion mm-hmm. and uh and even when you know it says you know we believe in Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth that's kind of all it says about that. It doesn't say which type of creation you should affirm, <laughs> yeah, right? right yeah. And and so it leaves room for us to then talk about that in debate. But it seems to be the core issue there is recognizing that the God we serve has been proclaimed as the creator of yeah. heaven and earth. So that would be one thing I couldn't walk away from and 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 still say, yeah, I'm still within Christian faith. Yeah. Mark, you talk about this early in your um, dissertation, I think in, just kind of in the introduction of it, um, and maybe we've covered this already, but you talk about theology, theology being um, a grand conversation. Mm-hmm. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, that it, that it seems to be, it's not just uh, a monologue, it's not just one voice mm. uh, that is saying, this is what you should believe about God. I mean, even when you look at Scripture. Scripture is a conversation of of multiple authors and sixty six books. You know, and 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 so theology is kind of that same. I think it needs to be set up in that same way that it is that is this conversation that is a give and take in a dialogue. And even as the creeds were formed, they were formed uh, in councils, right? So with multiple voices oh, yeah. speaking into them. Uh, and they are meant to be just part of the conversation, not, uh, I say this kind of sometimes in the dissertation as well, that the creeds were not meant to be the conversation killer. Mm, yeah. um, and as a pastor, I'm used to killing a lot of conversations. <laughs> like, that's just a spiritual <laughs> gift of mine. <laughs> Mostly it's when you meet people the first time and they're like, hey, what do you do? I'm yeah. a pastor. And they're like, oh, well, I'm not talking to you anymore. You now have this professor angle, which maybe exactly. gets you so a little bit further in conversation. It gets me a little. It gets yeah. me, I'm like, oh, I teach. And they're like, oh, what do you teach? Theology. Oh, well, <laughs> conversation killer. <laughs> you have one extra bonus question. Now. Yeah, so at least I get one step further yeah. in the conversation. Um, Our pastor, Kevin Adams, here has a he has a refrain where he's he's on a plane, he tells people he's a pastor, and it's one of two things. It's either shut down immediately, yes. or they start to sort of confess every, right, like, yeah. they'll just kind of blur everything very out. True. Yeah, very true, very true. So, so I understand. So for me, theology is meant to be that dialogue um, which also means we have to be open to discussing these issues and hearing multiple voices, um, voices maybe you don't agree with, uh, but being able to uh, talk with them and and say, okay, this is why I believe and why this is what you believe. Let's see, and and hopefully within the the church, finding these places of unity. Hmm. What what unites us? more than what divides us. And, and for me, I think the creeds can offer that, that point of, of unity. Like, we can affirm these. We are, we are under the same umbrella. We're yeah. on the same team. We have our differences on, on these issues, but, but let's not maybe make those issues something that would divide us. And, and part of maybe the lesson that where I've learned that is the lesson of church history, because we've just seen so many splits and so many right. fractures, not based on those core issues, but maybe some of these kind of secondary issues. Yeah. Uh, and it seems seems to be to the detriment of the church, not to the benefit of theology. Uh-huh. What I like is like the way you're framing this whole, um, the impulse of theology to be towards unity, 
mm-hmm. rather than disunity, right? right? Which I think instinctively, like people tend to like, oh, I want to like work out what I know so that then like I know who I'm against, who's yeah. with me. So I know <laughs> yeah, how to argue. Like which team I'm on. <laughs> you know? and Yeah, yeah. Rather right. than sort of like, oh, okay, like, mm-hmm. like let me work out kind of the contours and to understand uh, one image um, when I taught uh, Bible interpretation course. I, I love the early image in The Lion King where Mufasa takes Simba up to the top of Pride Rock and yeah. he says, like, all the, everything that the light touches is yours. And then Simba's mm. like, what about the shadowy place? He's like, you can never go there, Simba. <laughs> That's like the analogy that usually comes into my mind when we're talking about creeds. It's like, hey, actually the creeds are not like buck, like sort of boxing you into a really confined space. It's actually like right. everything the light touches. Like mm-hmm. it's expansive. Like there's lots, yeah. lots of, it embra- can embrace lots of different people. There is a shadowy place. <laughs> you can't go there. Yeah. Like that is out of bounds. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not within right. sort of the fence posts. Right. But mostly, what is the shadowy place in your analogy? Well, the shadowy place would be, kind of, I, I would think like things that begin to deny the creeds or these basic mm-hmm. creedal statements. So yeah. if you're going to say like, Jesus is like good guy. Jesus mm-hmm. seems like a pretty good moral teacher. Like I like, there's no version of Jesus as Lord that I'll sign onto. It's like, okay, you're in, yeah. you're in the shadowy place. Like yeah. you're mm-hmm. not in this sort of yeah. vast playground that the creeds sort of allow. Okay. So, yeah. I think my, that, that's good. Yeah. My, I was going to a weird Garden of Eden place uh, uh, with your analogy, so uh, that helps me. <laughs> yeah, does that, does that help? <laughs> Maybe I'm just not as familiar with the Lion King. It's as a metaphor. It's not a literal. Uh, yeah, not a no, literal it, where place are the shadowy places? <laughs> yeah, everyone who's been excommunicated has gone to a mm-hmm. physical shadowy place. So. <laughs> you are anathema. Yeah, you are. Anathema. We'll talk about that. That'll be next episode. Yeah. We'll get into that. Um, I want to go back a little bit uh, to to rest again kind of on scripture mm-hmm. because yeah. in some sense we might say like, okay, like I get the idea of ex- explaining and expanding. I could imagine someone saying, but like the apostle Paul did that and wrote it down and the Holy mm-hmm. spirit did that. And then you have just people like human people coming up with mm-hmm. new words like Trinity. I right. read the whole Bible. It's nowhere in yeah, there. Not like, I in can't there. find it. Not in but there. suddenly, like, I'm at church, and all these people are talking about how important the Trinity is. Like, what's the deal with mm-hmm. that? It's not in the Bible. How do you think about the relationship between sort of the creeds and the Bible? You've talked about, like, sort yeah. of these early proto-creeds being mm-hmm. actually embedded in. But, right. like, how do you think about that relationship? Yeah, well, when you... Uh, I mean, the one thing that's interesting about Scripture is that... Uh, it is meant to be read in community. Like mm. it's it's part of that conversation, and and there are things that uh, is written in scripture that Paul has written, or even the gospel writers, even we see in the Old Testament that um, that it's then helpful. Like for one, we have to approach it and we have to interpret it. Right? Anytime we're reading scripture, we are doing an, an act of interpretation. We're oh, trying to yeah. understand what Paul is writing, who he's writing to, and then maybe how that applies. Uh, And so really all theology does is come along and say, okay, how can we take what Paul has said about God, what he said about Jesus, and then make sense of that? Mm -hmm. Um, Because, yeah, there's there's never a time when when Paul says, okay, this is what you should think about the Trinity. Like, it's one essence and three persons, (laughs) right? right. It'd be nice. Yeah, it would be great. Like, it would be more straightforward, but... (laughs) But you see these different parts of Scripture, and you have to then reconcile them together. You yeah. see this overwhelming theme that God is one, this this unity of essence. Uh, so the early church couldn't just say, hey, I think maybe all three of these are gods, right? Like, we can just Father, Jesus, mm. and the Holy Spirit. We got three gods. They're great. They're a team. <laughs> they, they work together. They communicate. Uh, but they couldn't say that because of Scripture, right? So, uh-huh. So for me... Theology is always going to be formed and and what we call normed, uh, be a normative element of scripture that it of theology that you go back and say, what does scripture say about these things, and then how do we make sense, right? And so that's that. I mean, I think in Trinity is a really good example yeah. of the process of theology right. that we don't have the word Trinity in scripture, yeah. Uh, and and so in theology class we talk about it as. Uh, Trinity being a a um, kind of a discovered doctrine rather than a revealed doctrine. So it's mm. it's not just like Paul says, this is the Trinity. 
but we have these themes of the unity of God and and we have this father metaphor, but then we also have Jesus as son, and then we have the Holy Spirit talked about as a person and doing personal things. Uh, and so the early church said, okay, how do we, you know, so it actually went from the proclamation, Jesus is Lord, the next step was a binary proclamation of Jesus and Father. Uh, and then the the early fathers said, okay, that's good, but it's still not enough. It still doesn't quite capture what we're seeing in Scripture. We still see this spirit character yeah. um, who who is spoken of separately from Father and Son. Uh, and so, but it isn't till you know, about the third century uh, that Tertullian comes along and says, hey, this Greek word trinity that actually kind of captures, I think this word helps us explain uh, this idea that we see in Scripture. Um, yeah. So, and I know that's that's one of the critiques sometimes of Trinity is that it's unbiblical, right? Sure. That it's, yeah. Um, but I would say that it is it is shaped and it's upheld by Scripture because mm. it's just a word that we've that we've used to then explain what we see in Scripture. Um, now, one thing that we need to do in theology is we have to revisit those words. I think again, not that not that we need a new word for Trinity. But we have to understand what does that word Trinity mean in a 21st century context, hmm. and maybe understand what it meant in a 3rd century Greek context uh, to, to say, are we capturing that same thing? So, you know, so for me, theology is a conversation that never ends. We're never going to get to a point where we're like, yep, we've talked about it all, <laughs> yeah. we're done. Um, but that each new generation has to approach these things again and figure out how to express them in this maybe new language and new time and new context. That's really mm-hmm. interesting. I'd, I'd be curious, and this can kind of go to both of you, because as, I mean, all of, like every generation has limited time just mm-hmm. by nature of it, right? Right. So do you think it's more, it's more valuable, and maybe this is a false dichotomy, but it's more valuable for um, each generation to kind of revisit the old things and kind of think about mm-hmm. how they uh, need to be renewed or revisited mm-hmm. or um, lived out, however that looks? Or is it like, um, should each generation kind of continue conversation where it left off? Like if you imagine like, okay, uh, like Granite Springs sits in this reform tradition, which has its, mm-hmm. its own kind of thought and its own kinds of threads. Yeah. And it kind of takes us, it takes creedal formulations as kind of its baseline and is building on that. Right. So, but should, should each generation kind of continue that conversation or is it more valuable in fact to go back to kind of these old things and let those form? Like what, is there a, like if you, if you had to pick, if I forced you to pick, Hmm. like which one would you be inclined to? What, what I like about our weekly Apostles Creed at Granite Springs is, uh, which we, uh, which we say together before communion, is it, it's, it's, it strikes me as sort of a bold thing to do to be able to go back to the creed sort mm-hmm. of every week. Uh, you uh, use this phrase, formed and normed, which I thought was really interesting. Like, yeah. so faith, our faith is formed, and then it becomes sort of part of us and who we are. And maybe we think less about its origin and less about our roots, sort of the more we carry on mm-hmm. um, through Scripture and through our, through our Christian lives. But <laughs> every week when you say... I believe in God, the Father. Mm-hmm. Like you're going way back. You're yeah. saying you're saying these ancient truths that have been around mm-hmm. for uh, for centuries. Uh, I, I I think that's uh, I think that's I think that's a, a sort of a bold and a brave thing to do. And what I think it does is it. Speaking of sort of faith and doubt, is it kind of chips away at mm-hmm. doubts that will constantly like creep in from mm-hmm. from day to day. Hmm. Yeah, I so, think. It, so, yeah, I, so going back, I think is right. is sort of invaluable yeah. part of part of it. Yeah, and I'm I'm I mean I may be a sucker for that too, right? <laughs> I mean I like I like traditional things, yeah, and sure. and I'm I'm a nostalgic person. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it is important to to move forward, but continually be reminded of the past mm-hmm. and affirm those things in the past because I think they do they like they just help ground you. So I love that practice of saying it every week going into communion of being like, hey, this is what we believe. Yeah. Uh, And 
again, it's kind of this simple statement of faith that cuts through some of the other things that have been more divisive over church history. And it says, now this is what unifies us as a church globally uh, and even in our, our, our close region as yeah. well. And sometimes I use the example of, uh, of jazz music. When you have, when you kind of start with jazz and even any music, you have a, a set scale, right? You have you have traditional scale, and you have blue scale, and you have, and and as jazz kind of progressed in the you know the early 20th century, by the time we get to the 50s, 60s, we start having kind of improvisational jazz. It just started kind of going, uh, and it strayed way far away from that traditional scale. And it added things that weren't like there was it was like purposely dissonant sometimes right. because they were making a point with it. But if it would just continue to go like it did so kind of in the late 60s and 70s, <laughs> it would kind of turn into just noise. And it's like, whoa, we've gone too far. Uh, we've got to come back to this. Scale. Like to be able to, I think, add to it, you have to know that base, right? Yeah. To, to be able to truly improvise, you have to know the scale. You have to know, like, oh, this dissonant note will will prove a point, right? right. Like it, uh, and so the creed for me offers that coming back to that scale, coming yeah. back to that scale to learn to then be able to further the conversation. Yeah, um, but it kind of tethers the conversation too, so it's not just oh yeah, you can you can say whatever you want about God and be like no no we got to you know and and even the as you have the Apostles Creed and then the Nicene Creed or usually when I say creeds I'm talking about them mostly mm. those kind of stand as kind of the two uh, kind of maybe premier creeds of the early of the early church and uh, the Nicene Creed is is basically just fills in a little bit more of the details. Okay. Because um, yeah. the Apostles' Creed is very simple. I mean, it's, it's um, in its dealing with, I mean, it gives, you know, about eight lines, I think, to Jesus, and it gives some backstory. Um, but Nicene Creed goes even further to say, not Jesus, like it makes the point Jesus is God, mm. a little more than even the Apostles' Creed does. Sure. Uh, and so it gives just a little bit of that language, but it still now provides that, that basis um, that as we go further and further away, it's something to 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 be reminded of, and and it's been interesting. Like I I doubt that when the the church was forming these creeds, that they thought two thousand years, you know, after that, or you know, seventeen hundred years, some that people would still be using them as the basis. But I mean, as you look at church history, it's like, oh yeah, that that does capture the core of what we believe. So continually and, and I think it's to our detriment when we when we lose those. When we've you know, we've we've we kind of there have been some movements within the twentieth century that have kind of gone away from the creeds purposely, like and and I think they were making a point. Mm. Um but also theologically I think then that has hurt us because now we have no we have no tether. We can we're just kind of floating around. And then we have a lot of individual creeds and and and, and individual proclamations from our, our different denominations. Sure. Uh but those creeds really do represent a, a unified church. Mm. Um and uh I've been making this point with students because actually a student brought up to me, a student brought up to me and said Hey, why don't why don't any of the early creeds like say something about uh, racial inclusion and sure. those things? You know, like why do we have any early creedal statements about that? Hmm. And the more I thought about it, um, those councils were very diverse. Were racially diverse um, uh, and were geographically diverse. You had people from North Africa. You had people from Egypt. You had people from Turkey. Uh, you had people from Europe, I mean, Greece and that. And so it really does kind of represent the church at its most diverse um, and at its yeah. most unified. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why I, I'm always kind of drawn back to that, hmm. that, that that could be a point that that unifies Granite Springs with Faith Legacy. Sure. You know, and 
even if we disagree on some secondary issues, sure. right? Or we can put on our Arminian and Calvinist gloves and box them out, <laughs> right? We can do that, but we still have this core that we agree with. Right? Yeah, totally. I think I think that's helpful, you know, to kind of zoom out or come back to kind of to this idea of faith. Um, hmm. I think some of the things you said even earlier was like, um, like this, like there's a version of faith where it's like, okay, if faith is just commitment, like uh, I can get on board with that. That makes sense. Like I'm committed to Jesus. Like that's mm-hmm. what, like I believe in Jesus, but it immediately becomes important. Like who you say Jesus is. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. right. Like, it's yeah. like, okay. Right. So right. you believe in Jesus, you follow Jesus. Like who, sorry, who is that? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like sort of there is like faith is, I think it's wrong for us to think like it's a two prong thing where mm-hmm. it's sort of like, okay, I have sort of my commitment and then I have my beliefs. It's really, no, like we are committing to God, we're committing to mm-hmm. Jesus. And then yeah. what we believe about those, uh, believe about Jesus and God then yeah. becomes fundamentally a part of our faith. It's not mm-hmm. separate. But I think what I appreciate is the creeds give us a, a purchase point on that. So mm-hmm. rather than sort of saying like, who is Jesus and I'm at sea, like I just have to like work this out or mm-hmm. like right. I have to make up my own answer somehow. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like you can, like I can, you know, imagine the person who's like, well, okay, like I'm by myself. Mm-hmm. Like I guess I read the Gospels. I write down themes that I see, and I yeah. essentially what they what they might do is they write their own creed. Right, it sounds lonely. Right. Yeah, to right. Me. It is yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, isolating. Yeah. So I appreciate like how mm-hmm. what you're saying. I think gives us gives us simple and kind of. I mean, simple is a little bit of a misnomer, right? Because these are like debates, but right. it gives us um, accessible mm-hmm. kind of ways to yeah. latch on. If you were like either a student comes to you or someone in your church comes to you and says. Mm-hmm. Okay, like I kind of, I listened to Curious Church podcasts. You know, mm-hmm. you were great on it, Mark. Like, thanks so much. <laughs> gave it, fr- I, I gave it five stars. Gave it five stars oh, on review. iTunes. That's right. Yes, wrote a review. Best, yeah. Like those, those movies that Matt suggested were really good. Enjoyed Life all changing. of them. So, what, you know, hypothetically, like this is probably likely, mm-hmm. but someone comes to you and says that. And then says, okay, I get why, like, mm-hmm. knowing, like, some content of what I believe matters. And like I'm kind of interested in that. I read the creeds through, but like, how do I, like, how do I go mm. about, like, learning or developing or being theologically formed? Like, what, what would you say to that yeah. that student or person in your church? Right. Well, I would. I mean, what's interesting about this is that I, I think in our culture right now, podcasts are a really good way to mm. kind of, you know, because it, maybe it's it's having some some people on that help break that down, that help kind of dispel. Um, and, and I think that even a lot of my friends, uh, are, are engaging in faith more that way. Like mm-hmm. they, they continually come to me and don't say, oh, I read this in a theology book the other day, but it's like, I heard this on a podcast. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Will you listen to that? And so, so I think that is actually an, a really good first step, um, mm-hmm. of, of getting into, uh, of getting into theology is to start to listen to more theological based podcasts and start asking questions and and then start engaging with maybe pastoral staff or your friends or in your spiritual faith community and saying hey yeah. i'd listen to this uh let's break this down what does this mean and be part and, of this grand dialogue yeah. that you're talking about yeah. yeah and then i think that can spill into i've had some students and and i can say oh hey take this you know i'm i'm a a, a huge fan of starting small mm like not giving someone the thousand page theology book and saying, here you go, just thumb through that. Make That'll help. This will, this will help you. Uh, you won't have any questions after this. Um, but there are a few that are kind of summaries and, and shorter. And so I would encourage people to kind of look for those. Now they're, they're, they're wide ranging and they're going to be coming from different angles. And so you have to know maybe, okay, this author is going to be, is coming from here. But I always just encourage people to, to start smaller. Hmm. Um, so maybe that is podcasts leading into maybe blogs online of like, hey, what are some people saying in the theology world? What are people... Um, and then starting with with like smaller books and, and that. But, but part of it is just getting into that conversation and, and having that conversation uh, with others 
not doing it on your own, right? Not mm. just being on your own in your room with a thousand-page book trying to thumb through it, but but engaging in in the conversation. I think I think that's really helpful and really concrete. And one mm. of the things I that I would like underline is like the value of the people around you. You're right, because you there's just there is like there's so much good out there, and then there's mm. so much that's just gonna mislead you. So like my right. like. If I was to answer my own question, which I now will. Uh, <laughs> hey, Matt, I had a quick question for oh, you. Yeah, yeah, How thanks. could you go about this? Tee me, tee me up, Aaron. <laughs> no, but one thing would be to say, like, don't don't form your personal creedal statement on one podcast. Right. Right. That's Because right. sometimes I hear people do that. They're like, okay, mm-hmm. like, I heard this. He sounded super convincing. This is what I believe. Yeah. But then I would really underline what you said about have conversations with the people around you, with your pastoral mm-hmm. staff. Who, And, you know, if you're looking for these, res- these kinds of resources, then mm-hmm. I'm sure if someone came to you said, and said, Mark, like, can you give me a book that's yeah. a primer on Jesus mm-hmm. as God? You would mm-hmm. be happy to kind of help them think through right. resources, whether books right. or podcasts or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But use, use the people around you. Because mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I think the, the flip side of having so much accessible is we just feel like, like we kind of end up feeling like we're kind of wading into the sea by ourselves again. Mm-hmm. Like it's like okay, yeah. like me and you, Google. Here we go. Right. <laughs> what, right. What is the Trinity? <laughs> and we'll just see what comes up. Right. Yeah. Uh, but people, people around us can really be helpful. Can I toss in an idea as well? Yeah, and please. this is something we maybe have mentioned before on the podcast, but you could go to church. Yeah. Right. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> so. It's it's a great reminder that you're not yeah. you're not doing this alone. You're right, not the only yeah. one with these right. questions, right. and uh, they're the church is full of doubters, and and just go be one of them. Yeah. Well, and that's the I think the the great part um, to emphasize about church is especially in the world we live in right now with podcasts and and sermons online mm-hmm. and worship music. Like no one is necessarily starved for good teaching. That's a great point. And worship, it is readily available. Yeah. But what we need and what what the church represents is that place where you come together and you process it and you you do those things together and you realize you're not alone uh and so yeah i think that's a really good point you know to and and i try to emphasize that with people that are that are maybe having these questions and they do pursue it but often they pursue it on their own and 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 to see that vital importance of the church community, of the faith community, to be able to ask those questions, to be able to say, I heard this, or I'm reading this, you know, where should I, how should I handle this? Yeah. It's just a really good reminder, and, yeah. and it's a good reminder for the church of what we represent, right? Like, we're not just a place that's offering good teaching and live music. Right, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that... That we're representing the community, a place to be able to process this yeah. faith journey. Okay, let, let me toss, toss this question to you from, a, from the other perspective. The person who uh, feels like they are theologically formed mm-hmm. in some respects, and yeah. so now says, it's impossible for me to find a church because right. there's, like, I can't find some, like, right. the teaching is either off yes, or, yes. like, you know, they, they don't line up with what I believe and, like, mm-hmm. this is what the Bible says, and so they're right. not doing that. Like, how do you, how do you talk to that person? Maybe yeah. kind of the other other extreme. So kind of we have the underformed mm-hmm. person and then like the overformed people. Right, like right. How do you invite them into kind of this community experience? Or yeah. Think about it? Well, I would encourage them for one to lay down their weapons. Right. <laughs> like this isn't a fight. Like lay down your weapons. Uh, and um, it's actually been something I've been I read recently. Uh, it was actually in a Jordan Peterson book. Okay. I know he can be polarizing, a human being, sure. uh, but I think he likes that. I think he was trying to be. Um, but it was part of like these twelve principles of life. Is from mm. from his mm-hmm. book on that, and they're actually really interesting. And they're um, and one of the principles was listen to other people like they actually have something to teach you. Uh, right. Mm. So don't you know? Don't act like you know everything. Um, and that's so important. I mean, that, that is the danger. Like, and that, I think that's what turns people off to theology because you see some people get into yes. it and then they're like, yeah, I know everything and you guys are wrong. This is wrong. That church is wrong. But then they end up being totally isolated from every community. And, right. and, and I know that that's a natural experience and I've, I've been tempted by that before, right? You know, like yeah. well, I think in my college experience in that, like I got to a place 
grew up in the church, was in, um, was in the church all the time, went to a Christian school from like preschool till I graduated, oh, yeah. went to a Christian college, like, you know, been, I've been in this game You're like my it. whole life. Yeah. Uh, and I got to a point in college where I was just like, oh, we need to tear it all down, mm. start over, right? Like, and I, and I, <clears throat> got to a place where it was just, you know, and I think the deconstruction phase, you know, has to happen and you have to, but you also then have to come to a reconstruction phase, right? You have to, you and and to reconstruct, you have to be willing to put your weapons down and engage back in the process. Yeah. Um, and, and so I would really encourage the person, for one, they probably don't know everything, right? <laughs> like, because cause that's the one thing you you learn. I heard this recently, uh, a guy said, uh, when I went and did my undergrad, I uh, felt like I knew everything. You know, like, then I went and did my master's and realized I don't know anything. Then I did my PhD and realized nobody knows anything. <laughs> right? So it's the, the more I, that's what I'm so like, the more I'm, I'm in this world and the more I meet people who've been even in, in higher education, uh, for, for many years, you realize this kind of humility of, yeah. We don't know everything. That's mm-hmm. that's why we're in this conversation. That's yeah. why we're um, so. Yeah, I would really encourage the person to to be able to find a place that you can uh, just join and dive into, and mm-hmm. and it doesn't like having your weapons up and your defenses up doesn't help you get into community and 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 doesn't help you process those things. And and it's it's been interesting. I've seen some students, and I've walked with some students who. Uh, at our own church, who mm-hmm. in high school kind of got that way, and they were like, "This is I know, you know, I've read all of Calvin's Institutes, and I've got it, um, and this is wrong, that's wrong." And I've seen them kind of grow in this humility and and grow in this and say, "Like, whoa, I was a little too obnoxious yeah. <laughs> at seventeen, which is common for seventeen, sure. eighteen, right?" Uh, but they've kind of come to a place where it's like, "Whoa, I need to be, I need to take a step back, be more humble." And say, hey, what can I learn? Like, and maybe going to church, not being like, what's wrong with this, but going to it saying, hey, this place has something to teach me. Um, that place of humility. And, and that's, and I think that's a good word for people on pastoral staff totally. too, because it's easy to, to, to be on pastoral staff. I know if I went to another church, it would take me 30 minutes to stop critiquing yeah. and actually <laughs> engage in worship, right? And, 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 and the we've listener gotta... can't see, but Mark actually has a notebook because he's recording <laughs> exactly. here at Grant Springs. He's just been writing that's down right. things. Like, it's just my oh, office that he doesn't like. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. pretty harsh. It's like, oh man, he's got that in his office, <laughs> that's right. and the, oh, you know totally. the bathroom's a little far away from the sanctuary. But but it's it's just easy to do that in any community um, to to start critiquing and acting like you yeah. you know more. And there's nothing that anyone can teach you, and that's just that's that's not a place um, of growth. I mean, that that really is a place of stagnation. Yeah, and, yeah. I, it seems like from what you said, it's like if if theology and engaging with theology isn't making you more humble and more gentle, mm-hmm. you aren't engaging theology. Right. Right. You right. are not actually learning God. Mm-hmm. You are sort yeah. of studying something else, a system or something like that. Right, mm-hmm. right. Uh, which, like, I think that's where it marries so well, like, with faith. That's where these are really, mm-hmm. what I think we want to say is, like, these are one and the same. Like, yeah. If yeah. you are coming to know God and you are not becoming more humble and gentle, <laughs> like, then you are not coming to know God. Right. Like, you're coming to yeah. know something else. Right. Right. But as we drive, get closer to God, as we get closer to knowing Him, sort of theologically, then inevitably we are open to mystery. We're open to more conversation. Mm-hmm. We're open to hearing what a pastor and a worship director have to say. You know. Matt, that is. I think that's a great place to close today i just had that in my pocket the whole time he's <laughs> just ready ready waiting to pull he's it got out. the benediction <laughs> ready no all, all thanks to mark <laughs> uh, mark thanks so much for for joining us today hey, it's been fun been a lot of fun yeah Good. we we really appreciate it and i yeah. i think this will be a real gift to our listeners 
be a real gift to your listeners when it gets posted on Jessup Thinks. Exactly. Feed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, though, yeah. we're we're really appreciative, and yeah. this is this is helpful for me in a number of ways too to think about how to how to process and how to invite people into uh, a journey that can sometimes feel intimidating, but it's really right. quite fundamental. So, yeah. thanks. Great. Well, thanks for having me on. Does this close our series? Or is there going to be a number four? A quad quadrigy? You know, we often <laughs> we often dangle out uh you know that that maybe that we can do like, like a Star Wars next? thing. Yeah. You know, yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. like this becomes four, five, six, and then we're gonna go back oh, and do a, some prequels. So it just sets us up for really oh. bad episodes in the future. <laughs> One, two, three. You know? So. Too much CGI, yeah. stuff like yeah. that. CGI. Who's gonna be Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> a weird borderline racist alien can join us. Yeah. Right. Who knows where the curious church is going? <laughs> Listeners on that note. We're so glad you joined us today. So, um, do we, should we, Mark? Do you want to plug uh, plug your podcast? Maybe, maybe well, yeah, people would be can, interested. Yeah, you can definitely. You if want. you're interested in this, check out Jessup Think. It's on iTunes, Google Play, uh, anywhere you can find a podcast <laughs> is on there. Uh, yeah. And we talk about similar topics. I mean, it's set up in a in a really similar way, where we just kind of explore theology, uh, Bible, and just the spiritual life. Um, so one thing Mark yeah. does on Jessup Think is he saves a little bit of the fun till the end. So if you're really sick and tired of having to listen oh, to our does. goofing around to get That's to the conversation, smart. you'll That's love right. Jessup Think. <laughs> yeah, we do it at the end. We sneak it in at the end. Matt, what are we doing? <laughs> what do we do? We got to change it up. No, I like it. this. Is giving me good ideas. And next, yeah. my next one, I'm like, I'm going to start with a list there and see go. what Rex has to say about that. Anything else you want to plug or put out there, Mark? You don't have to, but I don't know. I'm I well. What I would plug is, and this is something that I'm 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 starting a t-shirt company, and uh, my first t-shirt uh, <laughs> that I'm going to make is actually it just says I'm the worst at self-promotion, <laughs> and that's just it's the only t-shirt I'm going to make. It's just one. Um, so, but that that's it's it's kind of like a humble plug, okay? Right? Where it's yeah, you're yeah. kind of promoting yourself, but you're acknowledging that you're not very good at promoting yourself. That's great. Well, well we're happy to put a link. We'll put a link up. And, <laughs> hey, once uh, those are made, then as soon as those are made, I will let you guys know. Yeah. I'll let you know. That's great. I actually have a legitimate quick uh, plug. I finished and my... we're out of time. Oh. 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 Well, I'm going to put it in Please, later. Please, Aaron, don't. Um, I finished my Psalms album. Oh, yeah. So it's a complete sort of thing now. So it's like on Spotify right. and my Bandcamp page. Oh, that's so, great. Um, What's the title of the album? It's called uh, For the Director of Music. And people could find our it. our psalms. They can find it kind of in all the musical places. But um, if you go to Aaron Antone Music or haveaseatmusic.com, it's there too. So it's oh, free. Great. So you can pay if you want, but go get it. Um, I'm really proud of it. And I think you might like it, listeners. And I can say Aaron should be proud of it. They're wonderful songs. If you, maybe, you know, we might have some listeners who are here just for Mark, and that's fine. Oh, uh, hey, this was the so, right Aaron, this was the right day to do Aaron's that. Aaron's yeah, music is worth plug. checking yeah. out. We sing yeah. it as I'm a church. I'm going to check it out. As a, we sing it as a church regularly, and it's uh, been formative for our church and is really meaningful. So oh. definitely go there. Oh, thanks, Matt. Yep. Double plug. Not double plug. All right. All right, listeners, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, thanks again to Mark. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. I'm Mark. Thanks for being curious with us.